I'm reading this awesome book. <laughs> Low back disorders from Dr. Stuart McGill. Yes. And it's such a it's such a powerful book. And the beautiful the beautiful thing about it is through Dan John, I was able to manage uh, to get him on the podcast, Dr. Stuart McGill. And uh, then we're gonna talk about all these critical things, you know, rotational kettlebell exercises. We, we last time we, t uh, we, we talked about it. And you know what Dan John said? Because I asked him again, because this, this question keeps popping up and we always get these, um, that feedback in the comments and people are asking us, yesterday we had a seminar and then one participant asked, why are you critical of these rotational exercises? So. I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Dr. Stuart McGill. And Dan John said he thinks rotational stuff is a huge problem for the spine and he doesn't like it. And then I asked him, I said, well, but you were throwing the discus. You were a discus thrower. So he said, yeah. So I said, so you're saying the discus is problematic for your back, for your spine? He says, yes. But it brought me around the world mm -hmm. and I've built my career on it. So that's the risk to benefit ratio, right? So it's a different ball game. Yeah, it's like it's like plastic surgery for models and actors, actors, right? Uh, so you, <laughs> you do it and you spend lots of money on it, but then you get paid for um, the jobs that you get, right? So you 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 it's a book I'm currently reading about this. You get to travel around the world, you get to uh, star in different movies, but if uh, an average person spends thousands and thousands out of their paycheck on plastic surgery, but at the same time their kids go uneducated and they go hungry, I mean, then that, that just is silly, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so with rotational stuff, it's the same. It's uh, the risk to benefit ratio is such that you can get seriously injured but if your uh, reward is to win a competition and then travel around the world and then spend whatever money uh, that you have won partially on physios, then that's completely fine and it's justified. And that's what Olympic athletes oh, do. Oh, justified. As well, right? Just uh, that's the word I was looking for. Justified. Yeah. You're so. Yeah, you're um, so right. And the, the, it's just cost to benefit, really. That's all it is. It's just a, again economic analysis. Not yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I was, I was, uh, when I was editing your video, I was, you, you probably can't imagine how many times I quoted stuff from you, from our podcast. One of the biggest things that stuck with me was the skill transfer thing. And Chandler Marchman, um, who also has a, a big YouTube channel on kettlebells, he said, he calls it training economy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he said training economy means because we talked about uh, he has a strongman background, right? So he has the typical, he says the typical meathead background, right? So when he transferred in the kettlebells, he just found, well, if I invest that much time and prioritize my workouts, which take a lot of time, then I'm leaving my family behind. I'm not there for my wife. I'm not there for my kids. So I have to find something. So he said, the kettlebell gives me what I say a lot. He said, it gives me a lot of bang for my buck. So that means I, my training economy makes more sense. Mm -hmm. 
So I am, my training is more efficient time-wise and of course the, the benefits and the reward that I'm getting from it. And so it's just, he says, I'm getting a lot done with kettlebells and this training economy serves me well with not only my business, the business that he has now, but also with the time that he's able to spend with his family. And so I said, that's kind of a similar concept that you mentioned, skill transfer. So how much transfer do you get out of your training system, not only to your athleticism, but also to your everyday life? Mm. Yeah, I like that, training economy. I'm, yeah. I'm going to start using that. Yeah, <laughs> we're all, you know, I'm starting so, hey, I, I can't, I cannot tell you. I'm starting to use these words from all you guys that I'm having conversations with. For example, um, I had Steve Carter uh, on, on a recent podcast. And he mentioned one thing that really blew my mind. I used to came up with seven benefits of kettlebell training. Now they're up to 10. And one of those benefits was what Steve mentioned. So I wonder if you heard about it or if you haven't, what, what you make out of it. He said, and I wrote it down. I got I to gotta check my notes because I wrote it down or I had to um, paraphrase what he said. So he said, kettlebells allow you to move without you having to hold the weight. This unique capability empowers you to load your frame in a way that leverages biomechanical efficiency. I, have, uh, I haven't heard it put that way before, but the reason why kettlebells train uh, endurance uh, as, as a weight, right? Kettlebell is a weight, but you can train endurance with it is because if you're holding any other weight, you would fatigue your grip but with a kettlebell dumb that's it that's the idea it's the same again it's the same mm -hmm. and i see when so i talk yeah. yeah keep going uh so i found uh, the other day i went um to i carried a kettlebell up a mountain <laughs> we went hiking <laughs> and we took a kettlebell with us uh, wow. and uh there are many ways that you can carry a kettlebell so you can i find that the easiest way is to carry it overhead I actually don't like carrying it in my hand. Um, and then you can carry it on your shoulder, you can carry it in the rack, the evilest possible way. You can, yeah. you can of course, carry it yeah. by your side. Mm. Um, but the fact that you can carry it in so many different ways and you're continuously putting uh, a load on your body is, uh, is excellent. And that's why what, what I think Steve means is that you can load your body with a kettlebell in so many different ways, not necessarily by fatiguing your grip every single time. So you can hold it for longer you can carry it for longer exactly that, that's exactly it so uh, and yesterday when we had that seminar when i was sharing um i call it now the kettlebell hybrid style i think after talking to steve again after talking to fitbrit after talking to you um i think when we compare and i wonder what you make out of this when we compare a uh, kettlebell sport and hard style um I always like to make the comparison that kettlebell sport is like rock climbing. You need endurance and you need strength, but probably a little bit more endurance. And heart style I consider as hockey. 
where you also need endurance, but you need a lot more explosiveness. So you're not able to go as long. That's why in hockey you have these, these teams that switch out every now and then. And so with the hybrid style that I think that you engage in, I think Fitbrit engages in, and I believe that Steve Cotter was one of the first Americans when he went to the States because he shared the story with me. He said in 2005, I think he and five other Americans went to, the, went to Russia. And then that was the first time they were exposed to, I mean, you've been exposed early. I mean, you're Russian, I, so you can share your story in that regard. But uh, Steve said, so they came with this idea of, snatching the way it was taught when Pavel taught it to him. And then they saw Denisov uh, uh, breaking the world record with 220 or something snatches with only one arm switch with 32 kilograms. So then it was like, whoa, that was a new world for them. It was like a revelation. Wow, what's going on? What's going on? Wow, that's completely different. So now I believe with the hybrid which I love this description is you use both worlds and I believe you do the same too, right? Yeah. So what you make out of this idea of this hybrid style? I don't know enough about it. Uh, I use both. And sometimes if, if it's a, I think you've seen my, my half pentathlon video. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I used a combination, well, as you said, a hybrid style. So it's somewhat Garboy and somewhat hard style. The thing that I find, uh, difficult is teaching people because if a person is learning, uh, a style and they, and depending on what they want out of their fitness, uh, I find that it's much easier to teach them hard style. Uh, and for most people, that's all they need. They need hard style because they just want quick workouts that they can do in 20 to 30 minutes and then get out. Mm. Uh, with Gary Boy style, you have to train for longer. I mean, Gary Boy athletes train for 90 minutes plus. And they also use barbell and they use uh, other implements to mm -hmm. strengthen their legs, to strengthen their, uh, their core, to do heavy lifting. So they use a kettlebell, but they also use all the other things. And mm. For example, things like um, kettlebell complexes and Turkish uh, get up and yeah, yeah, hard style yeah, swing. Yeah. Those things, they, they improve your strength. Uh, and without them, Russian kettlebell athletes, they just use barbells. Yeah. Uh, every yeah. single Russian kettlebell athlete uses other implements, not just the kettlebell. As a strength, GPP, like right? High, high uh, yeah. level athletes. Mm, yeah, mm. It, it's just that's just what you do, right? Because it's a, yep. it's it's athletics. You have to use yep. every single tool in your arsenal. Um, but if a person is training from home and all they have literally is a bunch of kettlebells, like three kettlebells or four kettlebells at home, their time is best spent learning hard style and training hard style, just because it's short, sharp, in and out, and you're done. Great. But if the person really loves the movement, and I have a few clients who love the movement, they love the flowing movement of the of Gergoy, and they want to learn the style, they want to invest the time because it takes longer to learn the Gergoy style. It's much more subtle movement. Uh, it requires a bit more mobility, it requires a bit more body awareness as well, because um, Gergoy style there is a bit of a letting go of the shoulder. There is a bit more rotation, yeah. but it's yeah. controlled rotation. Yeah. Do you know how many people can do controlled rotation? Not many. So <laughs> before definitely. you teach them controlled rotation, you have to teach them resisting rotation. 
Wow. We had, uh, wow. And as a small side note, please keep your thoughts. As a small side note, we had that conversation yesterday in the seminar when I was talking about uh, the clean. And um, then we had this exact conversation about rotation where you um, bring the kettlebell in the backswing from the rack. So you drop it. So you go into rotation for full efficiency for, the, for your energy capacity, right? So I told them, I said, yes, it is a technique. But I believe most of us, when we, especially when we get tired, are not able to make that differentiating factor between rotating the T-spine and, stop, and, and stopping your lower spine from rotating. So it's best, like, I, like you're saying now, I said it's best to resist the rotation, to work with anti-rotation. So I, it's awesome when I'm getting confirmation of what I'm saying from guys like you. That's awesome. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, oh, that, well, that, that's pretty much it. Um, so mm. it just mm. it's easier for the person who doesn't have much time. But mm. again, I have people who have much time. They just love kettlebells. They're in love with kettlebells. They have plenty of time to train. Uh, and they are willing to invest that time to practice, to stretch, to mobilize. Uh, to do some drills and then they progress, of course. Um, but again, it just depends on the person, uh, what mm. they want. So with, with the hybrid, I absolutely love it. Like I love being able to switch between the two. But what I find is that if I give it to someone who is just entering the kettlebell world, they get so confused. Yeah, they most just definitely. Yeah. At everything. Yeah, most uh, definitely. And it scares yeah. them. So I've yeah. had a few people try to go into um, Gearboy, for example, but they're just they do kettlebells for fitness and then they realize that it is less efficient at delivering them the results. And then they try to go back to hard style and they find it difficult. So it's difficult to switch to people thing. who are not athletes. Yeah. Like wow. you and me, we're probably athletes. So it's, it's easier for us to switch. Mm -hmm. We have body awareness, but for a lot of people, it's not the case because they, maybe they don't spend, uh, they didn't spend that much time maybe as kids mm -hmm. playing sports or dancing mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, it is a challenge. So that's why I'm quite glad that hard style was invented uh, and created. That makes it easier for the general public to use kettlebells. Most definitely. It, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And that's why I believe there is a certain, um, say like a certain niche where you start. And that's where I'm kind of like I feel like I'm naturally gravitating towards that line to implement both ideas in one package and deliver it in a way that that gives the the practitioner the most bang for the buck in time spent and of course the, the, the increased learning curve I mean what you're saying is most definitely right when i had we had one client she was working three months with with us we were doing deadlifts press squats and then after four weeks we switched the deadlift with the swing mm -hmm. swing press squat so what i found interesting was in her case is she has doesn't have a lot of body awareness so she has some I wouldn't say issues. She's just cognitive, probably stronger than kinesthetically, right? So she's kinesthetically not as gifted, which is, that's, that's not a problem. That's not a plus or a minus. It's just a fact, right? So after realizing how much trouble the swing gave her, it was clear to me that no cleans, no snatches because it's not necessary. We stick with the swing. 
we stick with and we have a prowler we have some some easy stuff where you can push and pull some farmers walks stuff like this mm -hmm. so where i see the hybrid application is where you go and pick what i'm because the fluent motion of of a clean we had the we had the a, a a coaching session from luca where he taught us the snatch and the clean and for me because i'm now completely inversed in the good boy style in the kettlebell sports style of cleaning and snatching it felt it felt strange it felt strange in a way where he was uh teaching me the and that was the only thing that felt strange that's interesting that i noticed it because the heart style swing felt awesome but the the clean and the snatch was kind of tricky so i didn't get the idea of you know dropping the kettlebell into the backswing in that zipper idea All right so you go down straight yes. instead of going in a in an arch and that was that was pretty interesting to me. I was like, "Wow, that feels completely different." And what is your take on this? How how does the do you think the heart style clean feels the same for you, like it feels in the kettlebell sport? No, oh no, absolutely not. Do you prefer uh, one over the other? Yes, I prefer heart style clean. Interesting. Uh, I prefer the uh, heart style clean. Wow. The uh, Gearboy Clean, I find it easy and relaxing, and I can hang out forever in the rack position with Gearboy. Uh, with Heart Style, I can simply clean more. That that that's it. So uh, it allows me to clean more. I Heavy, heavier I weights, doing... heavier weights, or more in reps. Ah, okay. Uh, more heavy, so heavier weights. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm uh, if I'm doing I actually prepare for uh, gearboy competitions by doing some hard style cleans. Yeah, you, you mentioned this the last time, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just find because it's harder, it, the rack is much more challenging and the hard style allows you to, well, it, it, it makes you move the weight in a straight line. Yeah. That's why the zip and unzip thing. Yeah. Uh, so the, the kettlebell path is uh, much more efficient and because mm. you're using you're using more power. Uh, it's more fast twitch muscles. They tire faster, of course, because yeah. you're yeah. using more power. Yes, yes. Uh, so that's why you can lift more, but you can lift it fewer times. Uh, and because I like strength training, uh, I prefer the hard mm. style clean. Interesting. Uh, but for for Gary Boy style, if I need to lift it many times, just I'm intelligent enough to, to do it Gary Boy style because if I'm using hard style for doing many cleans, I'll, I'll just die. You know, it's, yeah. it's doing <laughs> most it. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. Uh, so it's it's that. It's just whether your goal is to lift a heavy weight like three or five times, or your goal is to lift a lighter weight uh, for ten minutes. So mm. it's it's just that. Mm. I just wow, and that's interesting because I love just the natural flow of the of the kettlebell sport where you go into the arch and 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 you really it you're like you're melting with the kettlebell and in hard style it's like the kettlebell's your enemy <laughs> at least that's what it feels for me <laughs> most definitely but well, it's interesting so 
you know where I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, especially I mean, we teach beginners as well. And maybe 10% of our clients are snatching in, in, a, in a kettlebell sport snatch. The rest is just the idea to bring it up there and we mostly do half snatches. Bring it up, rack it, go down in the backswing and, 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 and bring it up. So I do see your applications. And maybe with the hybrid that you're also engaging in is something where I believe the hybrid leaves out the most complicated exercises. I, when, when we were doing the snatch, the heart style snatch, I told Angie, I don't like this gooseneck idea mm -hmm. where you drop the bell and then you pull it down. I still enjoy the corkscrew idea where you rotate the bell around. But then we try to kind of mix it, which also works. And but in my case, and this is probably where we differ, where I and that's a very interesting perspective. I love the heart style swing. But I don't like the other ones. And I, I have a strength training background as well. Lifting, bodybuilding, that's my thing. So, yeah, it's interesting how we differ in that regard. But that's, I mean, that, that's where individual differences are so good because you, you're going to tailor your, the way you train to what you like doing. And I always say that, um, like if we talk about programming today, for example, um, you got to most of your stuff, most of the movement that you do should be the movement that you like doing. Uh, because again, unless you're getting paid for it, or unless you're being forced in a totalitarian regime, I don't know, unless you're getting <laughs> paid for it, yeah. then yeah. there is no point doing something that you hate, right? Um, so if you really love doing in a work, training in a, a mixed style or a hard style or a, or a gear voice style, just do it. As long as you don't cause yourself injury, just do it. Because I mean, nowadays, yeah. it's a bigger problem for people to train at all rather than to train yeah. in any oh. particular style. Oh, most definitely. And yesterday in the seminar, we said this as well. It was like, listen, when people finally make time to work out, because for many people, working out is not a priority. That's, that's just a fact. Then they have to get the most benefit out of the, out of the time they carved out in, uh, of their week. Because otherwise, it's like, it's like, wow, now you finally make time and now you're wasting it right with exercises that you don't need yeah it's most definitely the same and a justification yeah if it's justified that i think that's a huge part it's like is it justified to to put your spine in danger yes it is because that's my job and that's the money that i'm getting and and blah 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 but for most people probably not I, and it's a great analogy that, that you brought up with the with the uh with the actors who do all sorts of things, but they have to, to a certain degree, probably, they have yeah. to be at that level where most of us never have to be at. Great analogy. Yeah, even the things like, uh, for example, I have a few friends who are actors and they have to gain weight, lose weight, oh, yeah. gain muscle, yeah, gain, yeah. get in mass yeah. It's yeah. a huge stress on their endocrine system. It's it's very stressful for their metabolism. Uh, and they pay for it later on, you know, so they do all sorts of sessions with nutritionists and restorative medicine oh, yeah. afterwards, but oh, they, yeah. they get oh, yeah. paid the big bucks for it. So it's yeah. fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but when a regular person, like a, a mother or a, a lady who just gave birth and then she's trying to get back into shape and then she goes on some crazy mental diet or uh, or a boot camp or some sort of insane, even with kettlebells, uh, high intensity interval training program just so she can get back into shape. But the thing is, the fallout of that, who is going to pick up the pieces? Oh, yes. She doesn't make money from it, you know, so she she just gets all this and she thinks that it's going to be a quick quick fix but it's uh, the the cost of that is really high um i've actually been asked <laughs> to discuss um burnout and uh what people experience when they follow really high intensity programming uh because apparently i've been told by some of my clients people don't know this they don't know that it's possible to and, and very common to burn out uh, and to cause yourself harm by following high intensity training programs, oh, including kettlebell programs most definitely. Uh, that are aimed at fat loss, especially fat loss. People try to get themselves into shape mm -hmm. and things like uh, in the past, there used to be P90X or insanity protocols where people train mm -hmm. for 90 minutes or they train many days a Absolutely week and then it gives crazy. them fast yeah. results, but then they come crashing and burning down oh. and then they start hating exercise or they're stressed or they're, they are injured. Um, and what it creates is this vicious cycle of a person of like of a relationship with exercise, like it's a punishment or that it's a, it's something horrible that you have to do. Uh, and you have to sort of grit your teeth and white knuckle your way through it. Um, and again, going back to, people uh, the the hardest thing is actually to be consistent with training for the rest of your life uh, i think that uh, as far as programming for that is concerned it should take priority that the person does a what they like and b what they can see themselves doing for a very long time and not only see themselves in their imagination because remember people live in fantasy land uh, <laughs> but they actually can actually um, empirically see that they are doing it like if, if a person says oh you know what i have just come up with this program and i'm going to be doing it six days a week and i'm doing this in the morning this evening i'm like okay let's see how for how long you know, let's do it do this for a week and then the, the next week the person goes well i have done monday and then i didn't do anything and then i did another one on saturday i'm like okay well uh, awesome. implementation rate of this plan is 20 <laughs> percent. Yes. so we yes. need to tweak it <laughs> um, and, yes. And, yes. Great. And that's totally yeah. fine. And I think the other um, sort of issue that we can have is the black and white thinking with people when, when they are designing themselves a, a training protocol uh, or coming up with something with, with some kind of regime for training. Uh, and the black and white thinking is they subscribe to some sort of protocol. So they maybe see something online or uh, one of us coaches recommends something and then they subscribe to it and then they sort of try to wrangle their life into that protocol and if it doesn't fit then they either quit everything and then stop exercising and they say oh nothing works mm -hmm. um or they try to completely reschedule their life around it and get really really stressed uh, but the thing is, uh, what I would recommend to a person who is uh, trying to set up a kettlebell training program uh, for fat loss or for uh, muscle gain, you know, get back into shape, uh, is to approach it like a software uh, designer approaches beta testing. So, you know, you, you have, a, you have a, a gadget or a, a widget 
and then you create it, you roll out beta version, and then you have people test it, and then they give you all sorts of feedback. Yes. And then you roll out, you take on the feedback, you roll out version 2.0, and then that version 2.0 floats around, and then you get feedback, and then you pull That's out version 3.0. things improve, yeah. Yeah. People approach their programming like a, like a beta. Then they take it, then they test it for a week or two. If it works, if it fits their life, they keep it. If it doesn't, they just tweak it. It's okay to tweak things. Um, mm. And because mm. I, I think okay. that the black and white thinking of thinking you just have to either do it or not is it's ruining a lot of people's consistency. Wow. You've got to just think, uh, I, I've learned this concept many years ago. I went to some sort of seminar and I don't even remember the seminar, what it was about. Okay. All I remember is walking away with this notion of living your life in beta. Is that if something, Tested. if some concept, you're trying to apply it and it's a good concept, but it doesn't quite match. It doesn't quite, the whole thing doesn't quite fit uh, into your life. Well, tweak it, tweak it yeah. until, until it does fit. Right? So if, if you know, if you know that walking is good, well, start walking and try half an hour a day. If it's working, keep it. If it's not working, reduce it, play around with it. You know, but you already know that walking is good. So make sure that you do it, but in a way that works for you, right? Most definitely. Wow. Yeah. And, and people approach it. That's a great analogy. People approach their workout regimen like it's the alpha version. And yeah. no no adjustments allowed mm. and and you probably get these messages as well i bet we get messages like hey gregory um is it okay if i x x x x i'm like well give it a shot see how your body reacts and then adjust mm. in very rare cases I mean, oh, rare, rare i mean i recently made a video uh 10 of the worst kettlebell exercises that you can do and because the, the, the funny thing is, and I had this great conversation or this great topic, we covered this topic um, with Chandler. And what I came up with, and let me, let me quote you this because I'm writing this stuff down. Um, I have to see, yes. There is a complementary nature of proper training modalities. A complementary nature of proper training modalities. So. The barbell is the knife, the kettlebell is the fork, the dumbbell is a spoon, and strongman is a, a plate. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can try to eat. I said this recently, and it was, I, I got some great feedback, feedback off of it. I was like, if you treat the kettlebell like a dumbbell, you're trying to eat a steak with a spoon. Doesn't work. Oh, you can't. Not it doesn't work. Well, if you if you punch the spoon you hard enough, you, you can. But efficiency is the, is the question. So we came up with this and we said, um, now that's my definition, which fits perfectly because I'm located in the country. I'm saying the kettlebell is the Swiss knife of training modalities. Because it it's able to do a lot, but we're naive to believe that it does everything the best way. Correct. That's impossible. And yesterday in the seminar, I said this, and, and, and the feedback at the end was like, wow, what I really, somebody said, I really enjoyed that you were honest about it. 
I mean, we know you're passionate and you're on fire for kettlebells, but you didn't walk in like that's the best thing. And we, with Chandler, we had the same conversation. It was like, hey, a, a barbell, maximum strength. Dumbbell, I would call it functional hypertrophy work. Awesome. Kettlebells does everything to a certain extent that we can say, yes, that, that's, that's really, really great. Well, it's like it's a Swiss knife, but you wouldn't cut a steak with a Swiss knife. So oh, I, I said the same. <laughs> I, knife, yeah, right? I said the same if yesterday. If you're a chef, you wouldn't be with chopping your, your vegetables perfectly with a, with a Swiss knife, right? No. Uh, you can if you're hiking, and you generally can, but you wouldn't. So uh, it's I... like, yeah, kettlebell is like, a, a, it, it's, it's available for everything, but it is a tool for, for a non-specialist. Let's yeah. just call it that. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's good. Tool, tool for... That's why I moved from CrossFit into kettlebells because CrossFit is a activity that uh, is all about not being a specialist. It's about being a generalist. Uh, mm -hmm. It's about being good at many things but not amazing at any one thing. Mm. Uh, if you watch CrossFit Games, you see that they, they have to be good across many disciplines, but they're not, mm -hmm. if they compete with a professional gymnast, they would suck. If they compete with professional weightlifter, they would lose. But across many disciplines, they come on top because they're adequate at every one yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, with kettlebells, it's really similar. So that part of CrossFit, I really enjoyed uh, the fact that to be well-rounded. It's like being well-rounded. Yeah. Uh, so you have basic stamina, yeah. you have basic yeah. strength, you have basic mobility uh, because it's good. It's good. It's injury prevention. It's healthy. It's just basic general physical preparedness, GPP, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. what kettlebell yeah. is. Kettlebell is the GPP of the fitness world. It's a GPP yeah. tool. Um, and because of that, when it comes to kettlebell sport, things like, uh, you know, your clean and jerk and your snatch and so forth, it is not a GPP tool. It is now an SPP. So it's yes, a, SPP. Special preparedness, special. right? Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a sport. Mm. And it's the same as when CrossFit became a sport. And uh, then that creates uh, excessive strain on the body in a way. So because CrossFit started as a discipline for everyday person to be fit, it just had 10, 10 uh, physical skills that you can have. So you, you have your strength, endurance, flexibility, stamina, yeah, all these, yeah. balance, coordination, mm -hmm. agility, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. And then you just try to make sure that you're basically good at all of them. Mm -hmm. you don't which is a great to, thing, I mean, which is a very, I think a very great um, um, idea yeah. behind it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. But then it, it sort of uh, morphed into a sport, a spectator sport. And of course, when you have a spectator sport, you have to have more and more spectacular things and more and more intensity mm. and more wild stuff mm. going on. Uh, so then mm. it just sort of became scary. Uh, but the basic notion of CrossFit is very good. And it, it actually started in garages. It's a grassroots fitness movement. Started in garages with minimal equipment. Like all you had was a, like a, a I think a barbell and a pull-up bar. Even some people didn't have barbells. They just have a dumbbell and um, box and a mm. pull-up bar. Mm. Uh, and only later did it acquire all these ridiculous <laughs> machines. Like the last CrossFit gym I was competing for, they had 
ergs and they had the skiing machine yeah, the ski that looks erg, like yeah. you're skiing down the slopes and they have the, the crazy bike with handles you know the, oh, yeah yeah the, the air bike <laughs> i had yeah, that stuff air, too I had that stuff uh, and too, it's yeah. like it completely departed from the whole idea of wow. minimalist all-around fitness that crossfit was originally uh, and that's why I sort of left. I'm like, well, this is wow. no longer what, what I came in here for. Uh, but kettlebells are still that. Um, kettlebells still provide that basic minimalist fitness, of wow. course, when they're combined with body weight and jump rope and walking and hiking Amen. and all that stuff. Amen. And I just had recently, I had, a, I had an awesome workout. I, and it was inspired by Dan John. He said, you know, pick up a kettlebell, go to your place where you want to work out. So you do a farmer's walk. Then you do some, then you do some stuff, some swings, some clean jerks, and then you walk back home with a kettlebell. So I was inspired. I was like, okay, let's do it. I did a seven-minute farmer's walk with a 16 kilo. I've switched hands until our workout park, and then I did um, three minutes of swings, hybrid swings with where you're hinging only. Oh, and I have something that I need to show you. I'm looking forward to your feedback. I really need your feedback on that idea. So I was doing swings hand to hand and then when the three minutes stopped the the second three minutes started and then i did five pull-ups five dips recovery rest get back at it five pull-ups five dips recovery and then i managed to bang out three sets of these in two minutes and then stop and break and have it relax and then go back at it again and that was such a powerful worker workout so easy and so minimalist and what you mentioned about CrossFit, Dan John said this as well. He said he 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 read something in a cri critic. A critic said something that stuck with him. He said a problem arises when an idea becomes central instead of a supplement. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate? Um, he said, I think the the movie or the episode was The Office. And I'm not familiar with the office, but he said, you know, they did stuff. Or let's, I can, I can give you a better example of Walking Dead. You know the the, the series Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Yeah, Walking Dead with the, yeah, with the zombies and. Okay, you know that. Okay, okay. I'm just, or, or you know, um, Breaking Bad with Walter White. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. But that's a bad example because these, these seasons are all good. So I got to switch to Walking Dead. So, for example, in Walking Dead, you had this idea of, yes, a guy, people are scared. It's a zombie outbreak. And then you have these intimate stories with these folks. But the zombies are the main core, the main idea, right? So, in my opinion, at least, in Walking Dead, they started deviating so far from the zombie thing that the zombies weren't relevant in one, one of the other seasons or episodes. And that was like, you miss the central theme because they took an idea and created it as a central piece of the storyline instead of just a supplement. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem because you mentioned this with CrossFit. So the central idea was get better at these 10 um, facets of training or, or life and sports in general, right? Uh, flexibility, training, um, strength, endurance, blah, blah. That's the central idea. Now, a supplement could be that sometimes we'll have a competition and have fun with it. But the CrossFit Games became central. Mm -hmm. Switching the whole system. And that's why you left. 
So that's what Dan John said. He said, the problem, you run into a problem, if you have an idea incorporated in an existing, in an existing system, and people subscribe to that system because of one central focal point. And now you take that new idea and bring it in as a new central point instead of a supplement. Mm. That's when you start mm. to lose people, right? Oh, Dan John is great at Dan John is a beast, down man. Yeah. the nonsense. It's yeah. like you, if, if, you, if you get so mired in the no novelty and all these new things and your head is just full of stuff, go and read Di Dan John. And then yeah. you just feel yeah. a brand new person with a fresh brain. Yes. Or, or you watch one of our podcasts with him and hear him talk. He's like, he, I, I, in, in the last episode, I said, Dan, I feel like I'm talking to my dad. And, and then we have folks in the comment section like, he's all our dads. Yeah, that, that, that's what he is. <laughs> and I would just want to pivot back to two things that you said, Kat. Um, about the kettlebell sport, you know, the idea where I see the hybrid philosophy come in. And that's what puzzled Dennis Vasilev when I had a coaching session with him. I remember that vividly. Um, we had the conversation and blah, blah, blah. So we were talking about the snatch, about the jerk, blah, blah. So he had in mind that I wanted to prepare for a competition. So that's the setting of 10 minutes a snatch. So that means if you want to go pro, I got to choose the 32. I have one arm switch. So my grip has to be right. The technique has to be perfect, blah, 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 blah. Until I came up, until I told him, well, you know, we use kettlebell sport in sort of a circuit system. I do kettlebell sport snatch for two minutes. Then we switch to a clean and jerk for two minutes. That's one minute left, one minute right. And then we switch to a goblet squat for two minutes. That's so our base system that we use. Three exercises for two minutes each. That's six minutes of volume. And then you have one minute break. That's seven minutes. And then you do three to four rounds and you have a great workout. That's, that's our coaching philosophy and that puzzled him that was like oh now i get it you, you use kettlebell sport for a circuit system not for a competition and i was like yeah that's what i do and that's where i believe the hybrid style comes in or where i see a lot of more a lot more applicability because yes if if we have a beginner or a person step up to the plate do a clean and jerk, let's say single-handed, clean and jerk, for 10 minutes straight, then you need a lot of coaching. You need the perfect rest position. You need to really understand the, the hand insertion, the uh, finger grip, hook grip, in the top fixation. You really have to use all these efficient tools. But if you do it for two minutes only, you don't have to be as perfect with it. So that's where I believe the hybrid methodology that 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 Steve taught me, that I got from Steve, is you use the kettlebell sport, but in a general fitness sense of way, not in the competition way. So that's maybe sort so of- So if a you don't mind me asking, what, uh, what is the rationale behind your programming? So behind the, the format of, your, of the workouts that you prescribe? The two minutes yes, and the three so exercises? Two minutes, two minutes, yeah. and then rest. Um, we usually we usually went to a sort of a system like the MRAP system or MSAP system where I had five exercises and then uh, we had a certain given of time limit and then we were doing the MRAP or MSAP system with, with five exercises. So what I realized in, in the group coaching, even in the personal training as well, that people couldn't memorize the exercises. It was just too much. 
So then we boiled it down to four, and ultimately now we boiled it down to three. So what I now have is when people walk in and they know our basics, we have maximum efficiency. We go in, they know it's swing, it's deadlift, it's squat. We're ready. Warm up. Let's go. We don't do it. And the coaching, of course, in the personal training is way more intense. And in the group setting, you always have to, you know, make the best out of what you have. And we have maximum six people. Because as soon as I go above six, I, 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 I don't see the mistakes anymore. I saw it yesterday with 15 people. It's almost impossible. I mean, you, you probably have the same experience. So another reason why I started implementing this idea was I found out, okay, if we only choose three exercises, that's one big factor taking care of the complex idea of, of training. If we have too many exercises and people, you know, people come to us from the typical gym where it's like I have to do 10 machines. That's boring. Then I have to switch, blah, blah. And so that's why the three is now the perfect number. Another thing that I m realized why I started to incorporate time was when people were working out. So, for example, they were doing a swing. And then you do the cueing. Right? So you start giving cues. Chest up, hinge, stand tall. You know, it's in German. It works a little different. But, and then give them some motivation and, and because I'm a natural motivator. I'm, I'm like, I, I, I burn and, and people feel, feel the fire. That's what I do. And, you know, as a side note, I sometimes have to really decrease my motivation because then people sometimes go above the limit. So I had to re realize like, hey, you can't push them too hard. Because even if they love it, it's sometimes too much, right? So that's the nuance of coaching. So I recognized I always start miscounting because I used to do reps, the typical reps and set system. And when I started queuing, I was like, oh, what's it now? Five? Is it six? Is it seven? Is it eight? And then I started miscounting. Five. Okay, come on, stand up, stand up, chest up. Nine. Oh, it's eight. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that messed up my queuing so bad that I completely ditched the rep system. And I was like, let's work for time. And then I can give you cues. And we have one audio cue that is a signal, ding, ding, ding. We're done. Put the bell down. Relax, recover. Let's do some coaching. Let's do some adjusting. And let's get back at it. Mm. That's Interesting. One it reminds me of uh, when I prepare for Girivoy competition. I do it just once a year. Uh, and then I do, like I do a one minute of snatching, for example, or two minutes of snatching. Uh, I can zone out and I can listen to a podcast as I'm doing. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Because yeah. I don't need to count reps. Yeah. But in all the other training, I can, I guess I can also listen to a podcast, but... I have to count reps. So uh, all, all my other training is rep based. So hard style is yeah. very short numbers of reps, of course, yeah. it's like and, fine. And, and yeah, and as a side note, of course, when we implement a hard style swing, we go for reps. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, and, and you know, the beautiful thing is I've started incorporating a mixed system and I call it mm -hmm. sets for time. 
So what I started with, because I realized, I realized, listen, if we do, if we do double deadlifts with 232s for the stronger, for the stronger ones that we have, or let's say like women, 224s or 28s, right? Then of course, we're not able to work the full two minutes reps, uh, repping it out. That's not, it's not even healthy for the lower back. And what I don't want people to get is, I don't want them to get the vibe of, you have to push through these two minutes and destroy yourself mm-hmm. as long as the timer is going. So what I started implementing was, let's do sets of five. You relax. The timer keeps going. Don't, don't get stressed out for the timer. It's just our format that we know how long we're going to work. And then you do sets of five, one set of five. You relax, you recover. You give your back some, some relaxation. And then you go back after it. And then you work for another set of five. And then... The funny thing is in two minutes, you work at around 10 to 15 reps or 10 to 12, which is a great, a great, uh, uh, um, a great philosophy of training that we all know, sets of eight, sets of 10, sets of five. So it works beautifully in this, in this time setting. Or when we incorporate push-ups, we say, okay, let's do some push-ups in two minutes don't burn yourself out. You do five beautiful ones with a lot of quality and then you rest. You keep breathing, you keep breathing and then you go after it again and maybe it's not five anymore, you go down, but five is the maximum number. I never let people do more as soon as we start working with heavier weights. So then rep counting comes in, but I keep the reps low and I think sets of five is something that I heard from starting strength is a very good number. So, uh, yeah, I've started to really create a system that allows me to offer maximum efficiency in coaching and queuing without really getting messed up with the numbers. And people really like the flow. It's like they know it's three exercises, two minutes only, so they know what they're expecting. It's, it's, it works very well. And we work that way as well. Angie and I, we work out like this. Mm. And, uh, and just notice how, notice how simple it is, right? So if we're talking about programming for people who are listening to this, for example, and then training at home, uh, and it's a person who wants to train with kettlebells and they're wondering what they can do as their program. Yeah. Uh, and people think it needs to be so fancy uh, and yeah. so complicated yeah. and yeah. this and that and circular clean here. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> You, you can get in fantastic shape with really, really simple programming. And yeah. that's actually something that a lot of people get surprised about when they know my own like workouts. Uh, I have very, very simple programs. Sometimes I do three, like three exercises in the whole workout and then I'm done. That's um, it. You're and done, people no. think that it's so fancy and so complicated and there's this crazy reps and sesquim, like no. Nah. It's most of the time it's like an emom. You do like 10 minutes Turkish get up, 10 minutes awesome. pressing, 10 awesome. minutes swing, walk away. Um, That's it's it. awesome. so simple. And I think awesome. that the the key to progress is not fancy programming, though programming has to be smart, obviously, and balanced, but it doesn't have to be fancy. It's just all about consistency and good form. And like, if you have that, if you have consistency, if you keep doing things for a very long time, obviously without getting injured, uh, and that's where your programming has to be smart, but it doesn't have to be fancy. And good form, like if you just focus on good form, you get results and yeah. you keep training because you love it. Because who doesn't like moving beautifully? Um, I think like what, what I've, I've, I've 
taught so many things in my life. Like I've been in the fitness industry for so many years now and, and I've done in my early years of training, I've been a military boot camp instructor. Like I wow. literally, I wore military outfits. <laughs> yeah. And like a hat and yeah, yeah. boots. Living the life. At 5 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> screaming at people who crawl in the mud, like carrying logs. It was ridiculous. It was like, I, I thought pe people with a fetish, seriously, uh, who like to be yelled at and have like a- There's a market. Their There's a market for these people, <laughs> There's yes. There's a market. And, yeah. and so- it was from from that uh, to just boot camps to circuit training and what i've noticed is that very few people can sustain a program that requires them to move in an ugly and sporadic fashion they can only sustain it if someone is screaming at them if there is loud music and they can just lose themselves in yeah. it and they don't have to think about anything so they just leave their body like yeah as if being yeah. abused you know that i hate their body yeah because um, they're, they're abusing their body right yeah so out. very few people can sustain a program that requires them to move in a bad way mm. like uh, to just uh thrash around on the ground right doing mm -hmm. ugly burpees mm -hmm. uh, mm. because the body doesn't like it. The brain doesn't like it. People like to move beautifully. You like to do what you what you do well, not just mm. thrash, right? Just mm. ju just uh, what what they call it. My my, my clients call it something. Uh, uh, I, for I forgot the the word for it. Scurry. They call it scurrying around. <laughs> scurrying around. Okay. Around, yeah. Just, just running around and doing random things in a in an ugly fashion. Um, very few people like that and if a person is training by themselves at home and they're trying to apply that kind of mentality it just doesn't last they have they will eventually have to go and hire some crazy drill drill sergeant who can uh, call them a maggot and you know spit mm. in their face and mm. uh, tell them, <laughs> yeah. full metal jacket <laughs> yeah full metal jacket style <laughs> yeah, full metal yeah jacket. most definitely yes mm. and and so, um yeah. you're, you're mentioning so many great points that if if you force people or coerce people into doing things that their brain tells them it's it doesn't feel right then you know what what i hear sometimes is they start depreciating themselves and say well you see the reason why i don't like it because is because i'm such a lazy person mm. and then sometimes i'm like Maybe you don't like it because your brain is telling you, your body's telling you that's not good for you. Destroying yeah. yourself, and I've really changed my mind on this. Although I stand on two uh, on two bridges that uh, that I'm want to have your opinion on. And but first, before we get there, you mentioned one thing: um, the simplicity of the programming, right? And then folks are like surprised to see folks like you and me and probably other coaches as well to use simple programming mm. and yet you mentioned gpp and spp so it may be the fact in my perspective that people see athletes and celebrity coaches or great coaches who coach these guys do specific performance specific physical performance exercises spp2 ones who are explicitly designed for that 
sport. And Pavel Tatulin gave a great example. He said, for example, a SPP2 exercise for a combat athlete, for an MMA athlete, would be charge having a power band on your hip um, uh, fixed on a, on a pole or on a power rack and then doing charges. Charging to the front while the power band is pulling you back and then you go back and you charge to the front. So that would simulate a takedown and probably will give you some strength to increase your takedown rates or however they call it. And Luca came up with a great description. He said there are some poisonous exercises. For example, a Russian twist with a heavy weight may put your lower back in a troublesome position but an MMA fighter who will be put in this in that position probably needs some additional abdominal armor to withstand the torture that he's going through in, in that case. So beginners probably look at these exercises and be like, "Ooh, that's what I got to do because athlete so and so does it. And then they're perplexed realizing that, well, that's 0.5% of the whole population. The rest of the 99.5% need the basics. Mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. probably a huge factor, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, most of us, and, in that, and that applies to any area of life, uh, and every coach in any area, like any area, literally, I'm, current, I'm, I'm studying accounting right now, just for fun. Um, and basics and foundations are the most important things. Uh, any kind of fancy things that you might want to do later on if you really really like it if you're really into it and if you want to spend more time and, and energy on that yes that's fine yes. but i think i think in our modern culture we tend to chase after uh magic fixes maybe uh, yeah. uh, novelty and because yeah. of that we forget that the foundation is really all that most of us need or at least we have to get it before we move on to anything else. It's so it's sort of like I find that you gotta earn, so you gotta earn things, right? So you, if you if you have your foundations and if you're already doing them on a regular basis, so if I'm already walking for at least thirty minutes a day, mm -hmm. if I'm already doing my swings three times a week, mm -hmm. if I'm already doing my, my squatting, if I'm already pulling, if I'm already pushing, then yes, then I can add something else if I still have the time. Yeah. But if I don't, with those hours that I'm that I'm spending on my fitness, for example, on a daily basis, uh, I have to fill it with foundations first. And then yeah. big rocks, right? Remember the big, big yeah. rocks yeah. Uh, analogy? Yeah. The big whale. You have to put yeah. the big rocks in first, first. Yeah. and then you put the small rocks in. You, mm. you don't want to just fill it with sand. You want mm. to fill it with big rocks. Yes. And then stick the sand if you still want to continue adding. And the sand is what sports specific conditioning is you know you you might want wow. to do uh, an extra stuff for your wrist if you're a climber or you might want to hike with a backpack if you're if you're a hiker but you still mm. gotta do your deadlifts your farmer's carries yeah you know you got yeah. your walking yeah. that's that's the foundation the big rocks there. i wow. really like that dan john idea of walking with a kettlebell to the to the location because it's actually that's what great. we do in my classes uh, awesome like, awesome yeah well my awesome. kids because i i don't have a i don't have a, a gym uh, I have because most of my clientele are international, so um, I I have a studio which is really tiny, and that's from where I'm filming and where I train mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and where I receive one-on-one -on -one clients. But 
my all my classes are done either online or outdoors and we actually just gather so in the park in do. new zealand is beautiful so it's like what's the point of training indoors if you live in such a gorgeous <laughs> Most definitely. country wow um, yeah yeah and so we we take the kettlebells out of my car and then i don't <laughs> carry go. any kettlebells my <laughs> students carry all the kettlebells. that's awesome you go grab <laughs> one and then you it. stick with it yeah wow yeah they have to carry it from the parking lot to the uh, to the great. place and then we exercise and they have to carry it back great so see see what you know great coaches have have similar similar mindsets it's and you said big rocks you know how dan john calls this he said you know so many people are sitting on the whale fishing for minnows <laughs> it's the exact <laughs> same thing and and even with the hinge uh he said you know learning a proper hinge is such a powerful basic that people need to come continuously reminded of it what the hinge really is and a few days earlier i was talking to angie and i was like listen we we gotta work on that hinge continuously so let's build it into our warm-up and then having the podcast session with dan who's saying me people need to remind it of the base need to be reminded of the basics all day every day wow and yesterday when i was having this um you know, I had the seminar at a local police farm, uh, a local police uh, law enforcement from our local area. And then we were talking about weapons. And then one of one of the guys who, had, who was very, very sophisticated with it, he said, you know, when it comes to weaponry and knowing how to handle uh, the guns, it's the same thing. The elite ones are the ones who have mastered the basics to a level that when when a dangerous situation occurs they do it automatically mm. the rest is fancy stuff it's cool yeah. to watch it looks cool but it's not something that you use in 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 real life and so with kettlebells you mentioned that people want to are looking for the quick fix and now we have to add in the fact that some folks are capitalizing on it showing the people who are looking for the quick fix well you don't have to do the normal snatch you have to do the snatch and then rotate and I saw this I saw one guy do this seriously a 32 kilo kettlebell snatching it and then going into a rotation and I was like and people keep sending me these videos hey I saw this one I saw this guy he does yeah the circular cleans the circular cleans like they come up and then they go directly into a press right so it's like they come up and boom and I was like you don't need that you don't need that well why are they posting it well it gets clicks and views yes but well actually the, the thing is the thing with it is that I think sometimes when we tell people that they shouldn't do it they just dig in their heels and I would probably uh, I mean I'm a stubborn person so I'd probably go don't tell me what I can <laughs> yeah, do. don't tell um, you <laughs> But if, anyway. if what I tell myself is uh, not that you can't do it, because really you, you can, you know, yeah. really you can, but you got to do what matters first and then you play. So you got to do what, what brings you the result. So for example, if you want to be strong and if you want to have a good, strong posture, posterior chain, uh, lose fat, gain muscle, blah, blah, blah. You do all the compound lifts. You do all the mm -hmm. basic compound mm -hmm. lifts. That's even mm -hmm. the rule in bodybuilding, right? You don't just yeah. do bicep curls and tricep extensions, right? Mm -hmm. In the gym, yeah. you do the yeah. big lift. Yeah. That's what gives you the testosterone. Yeah. And then if you've earned 
your bicep curls with pull-ups. Oh, that's then great. you do your bicep curls. You got to earn right? it. So it's the same thing in kettlebells, right? I mean, I I started my fitness career, like fitness life, with as bodybuilder as well. I used to have photos of female bodybuilders hanging on my walls and everything. Awesome. And bodybuilding is actually a great discipline to um, to learn the basics for fitness. Mm. You learn the muscles. You learn how to activate those muscles. Uh, you learn good technique because bodybuilding mm -hmm. is all about moving with control, not mm -hmm. thrashing on the ground, right? Because you want to develop muscle properly. Oh, um, yeah. And mm -hmm. it's all about you You want to you do the compounds before you go into the isolate. And actually, for a lot of people, what they find is that the com if, if they're doing, if they're training for muscle size, mm -hmm. uh, not even with kettlebells, they just do the compound. It's like if you don't have the time, just do the compound yeah. lift. And then if you have the time, do some bicep curls. Yes. You never just go to the gym and go, right, I have an hour. Let's do bicep curls. First. No. <laughs> you know, even though, even though there's a lot of people who do this. And yes, because, because, you know, it gives you the pump and all that. And, and yeah, oh, you got to earn that right. I love it. You got to earn it. And moving with control when you start bodybuilding. Yes, understanding how to keep your muscles under tension. Yeah, that that's, that's great stuff. It's really great stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think... Uh, people are, you know, when, when they're asking my opinion and my advice, uh, I always take Dan John's approach. I make it short and quick. It's like, I see, blah, 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 I take a look at it. I like, you don't need it. That's just my advice. But, but here it goes. And I got it from Dan John and I will use it for the rest of our life, my life. He said, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Should. Yeah, I remember he wrote it in the book. I'll, yeah. I'll take this forever with me. I'm like, this is so powerful. Of course you can rotate and balance on a BOSU ball. And you can do everything, all, all that stuff. But, you know, when I'm reading that book from Dr. Stuart McGill, I'm like, mm, I'd rather be a little bit more careful because I want to lift with kettlebells until the day I die. So let's be careful with with stuff. You know, I'm not an athlete. So yesterday, um, when we were doing through, going through the seminar, I said you have basically when it comes to kettlebells, I say you have three categories. You have the grinding lifts, you have the ballistics, and then you have doubles. So doubles, I mean, it's not a completely new category. You do the same lifts. But when you work with doubles, it's a completely new world. It's, it, it feels different. It's, it's just another world. So I said, will the doubles give you more strength and power and endurance? Yes, because you're using more weight. Yeah. And is it fun? Yes. But do you need it? No, you don't. Stick with the singles and rather upgrade to a heavier single kettlebell instead of start, start working with doubles. This doesn't Which mean... interesting. Yeah. Because I love doubles. I love it too. I love it too. I love, I love it too. I mean, I told him, I said, I, I love the jerk. I love the long cycle. And I love when you work with doubles, it's the all these nuances and the details that you have to take care of in the backswing, in the clean, in the top fixation. In the, and I, I keep working on my jerk. I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm really struggling because when I, when I watch at my jerk in slow motion, I most of the time see how, my, how I'm double dipping. I go into the sep second dip, but my arms are not straight. I hate that. I really have to work on this synchronizing my elbows with my knees. 
which takes ages. So I love it. But like we mentioned in the beginning, most people will probably never need doubles. Or, or do you see it differently? What's, what's your take on it? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting because um, I don't actually um, separate double kettlebells from single kettlebells the same mm. way as uh, it, there's, there's no such a clear distinction because so I have so many clients who probably will not be ready for things like double jerk or double snatch for a long time. However, they respond really well to double front squat. So they can clean ah, two kettlebells because cleaning two kettlebells into the rack is easier than one, actually. Because mm. if you think about cleaning one kettlebell, it's like extreme offset, right? Mm. If you ever tried cleaning a very light one and a very heavy one, like two kettlebells, one very light, one very heavy, it's really lopsided, right? If you ever tried doing offset mm. training mm. where uh, like you're using a, a 12 kilo and then a 16 kilo or a 16 and a 24 in one hand and the other. So if you do offset training, it's really it's 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 really um, challenging for the core. So if you think about one arm training, it's extreme offset because one side is zero and the other side is sixteen, right? Mm. So it's one side training is very challenging. Mm. Double kettlebell training in in many ways is actually easier. I found that people people uh, don't struggle with double kettlebell deadlift, for example, as much as they I struggle am. with one arm deadlift. Same thing, one arm clean is probably the most difficult exercise to teach because there is this rotation and there's this twisting and the shrugging, all sort of stuff. But you give them two and it's easy. It's, it's uh, like doing two uh, hand and double cleans. People respond really well to it because the wow. thing is with kettlebell, uh, if, you're doing, if you're doing squats with a kettlebell, I mean, it's really light uh, and um, especially um, if a person has really reasonably strong legs, um, loading up just in a front rack on one side or even goblet with one kettlebell, your upper body gets tired before your lower body gets tired. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I mean, think yeah. about a barbell, right? You're squatting something like, I don't know, 70 kilo with a barbell and it's on your shoulders. Yeah. yeah. And you don't have to worry about your arms being tired yeah. and you can squat yeah. up and down. Yeah. But then with a the kettlebell, you have to hold yeah, the you have to hold it. in your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's more functional because you would probably be squatting with something that you're holding, Amen. but it's also less of a workout for the legs. So what I found is that uh, for a lot of people, double kettlebell cleans and squats are extremely fun, satisfying and great for leg strength. And also, this is a little trick I use for women. I don't know how many women watch. Uh, I think a lot of women actually will be watching, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, I yeah. have a a, a lot of people that write on my YouTube channel are uh, uh, men. Most, yeah, mostly men. men. Yeah, mostly men. But in the coaching, the funny thing is, in the coaching, we have 70, 80% women in, in the studio. Yeah, 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 different. Um, so women might find it useful. So what uh, I do in terms of racking the kettlebells in things like complexes and so forth, uh, depending, on, depending on the workout, instead of holding it in the rack, I put it on my shoulder. Yeah, it's called one. a shoulder rack. And I don't give it to my guys as much. I give it more, more, more to the ladies because ladies have weaker upper body. And it's, ju it's just true. It's just oh. true. That's why in CrossFit, for example, women have injured shoulders so much more frequently than men. Uh, it's, it's, it's true in kettlebells that women generally complain that their legs are still not tired. Their arms are already dead if they're doing squats and stuff. Our upper bodies are just 
weaker than our legs mm -hmm. comparatively mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. men's upper and lower body a little bit closer in strength mm -hmm. of course lower body is stronger for everybody mm -hmm. uh, legs are stronger mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah. for men because they have such a bulky upper body it's stronger it's closer in strength to legs mm -hmm. for women our upper bodies are just not that strong but our legs are comparatively much stronger to the uh, much stronger than the shoulders so what happens is if we're holding the kettlebells in the rack and we're squatting with them the legs are not tired the arms are dying so what I found is that what really works for me is placing the kettlebells into the shoulder rack. Not all the time, because sometimes it is good to do front mm -hmm, squats. Mm -hmm. uh, but in wow. some complexes where I want to spare my shoulders, I rack the kettlebells on my shoulders. I think I even have wow. a, like videos for this on my channel mm -hmm. from years ago when I just mm -hmm. showed a shoulder rack squat or like shoulder, shoulder rack position. Um, there is a there is a, a, an, an art to it because you can box your ears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> it look like an MMA fighter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get like cauliflower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I got so it. There awesome. is a way. There is a correct way to do it, and competition sport kettlebell competition kettlebells are probably not ideal for and that particular yeah, um, that's, rack. It's too big. That's where um, I said. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's if I just may interject real quick. That's where I see some. Okay. Uh, some aspects of because we're using competitions only so if you are uh, double cleaning comps that's where I see the, the the problematic aspect because they have to learn to rack one belt over the other but of course if you have the smaller ones way way easier that's one thing and the other thing that I see that I missed that I really missed is the unilateral aspect of if you just use one always having to work and of course you have to use a lot of shoulder mobility to be able to find your hip if you really want to rack it on your hip right but in the heart style you don't you just yeah you stand up tall and that's what i saw as well and most definitely where i agree that the, the the easy aspect of racking kettlebells in a heart style fashion even though it's not as easy i mean you have to use a lot of tension but the way mm -hmm. doing it with a with a with a in, in sports style is completely different so but yeah, the it's, the it's yeah. Strength-wise, it's harder, but yeah. technically, it's easier. Yeah, for a lot yeah. Of people, Great description. Strength is not the problem; it's the technique that is the problem. Yeah, yeah. Yes, wow. that's what hard style is a bit more um, faster to learn because it's not as technical. It's yeah. It's, you, you just you just build your strength. Yes, most definitely. And, that's what and just that's you know, and and seeing that that you're saying it, um, doubles take that that uh, unilateral problem out of the equation that's something that i missed and of course we do double deadlifts i mean a double deadlift is easy a double row is easy i mean yeah we do those most definitely but the ballistics with doubles this is where i not shy away but this is where i think most most of our clients are just doing well with the singles and and where i um also I just love it. it may, and maybe it's that that's just my approach because I love teaching them how to really uh, uh, get a hold of, of the kettlebell in the rack rest position, understanding the hook grip and just, you know, because I believe that's where I'm more on Steve Carter's side. I just like flowing with the, 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 fluid, the fluidity of the motion with, with kettlebell sport is what I'm really intrigued by. And so that's what I'm trying to really incorporate in this idea and bringing it closer to the to the you know, to beginners and you know after so many months passed after this discussion with Dennis Vazilev I finally understand now what he means with well you know kettlebell sports more like hardcore so that's why heart style mm -hmm. is maybe more applicable just for general fitness right yeah it's it's 
It's great stuff. Um, yes. As a last note, Kat, may I show you something and yes. get your comments on it? Because um, let, let, me, let me preface this. I, I had a huge problem. Well, not a problem. Well, it is a problem. I had a huge problem with calling a swing a swing. I mean, depending on the style, it's just different. And now, having seen the full-blown version of a hard style and a kettlebell sports swing, I was just—I wasn't perplexed, but I felt like it's not clear to me. I see as—I see some things, and I really did some research. I dove into it, and now that's what I'd like to share with you, if you don't mind, and explain you my system, and then I really like to get your your feedback. Um, are you seeing my? My screen now? Yes. With the five features? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I wonder what your take on this is. So after really doing some intense research on the swing by itself, I came up with this notion or this idea that the swing, every swing that you do or that we see in the real world has five features or you can benefit from a swing if you understand these features well now feature number one is the style i believe you have to understand even beginners if, if they because beginners get easily confused when they see different styles so the feature number one would be the style am i doing a hard style swing am i doing a kettlebell sports swing or am i doing a hybrid swing and i want to elaborate on this hybrid concept a little bit later which i really like to get your feedback now, feature number two is the, oh, it's in German, I see, but I, I'm going to translate it to you. So, feature number two is the movement pattern. So, you either do in your swing, you either do a hinge only, you do a hinge with bent knees, or you do a hinge with double bent knees. And the hinge with the squat, this is such a beastly mode of a swing that you've probably swing, uh, seen. You go into a hinge, you swing the weight, and then you go down into a squat. It's, it's a beast of a swing, right? So feature number three will be the weight category. Understanding what weights you can choose. You can either choose light weights, moderate weights, or heavy weights. And the last feature is understanding hand orientation, feature number four. So you either do single hand, double hand, or hand to hand. And feature number five is what are you doing it for? Strength, endurance, or are you trying to mix it? And now what I'd like to show you is the, my hybrid idea or just putting all the swings together now. I believe when we take a look at these five features, the hard style swing, feature number one, is hard style, of course. Feature number two, it is a hinge with bent knees. Now the reason why I say this is you mostly swing with heavy weights in the hard style, right? So what happens is you're not only hinging, you are bending your knees because the gravitational pull of Earth becomes so strong that you have to start bending your knees at a certain point, mm -hmm. right? So when I swing a 48, I automatically start bending my knees because the pull, the gravitational pull is so strong. So feature number four would be you only use the hard style with heavyweights. I mean, you got to get coaching first. That's, that's, that's a no-brainer, but you have to use heavier weights. And feature number five would be you can either do a double hand or a single hand hard style swing.
I have seen Pavel teach the hand-to-hand -hand, the hand-to-hand -hand hardstyle swing. Hand -hand. We did it today in class. You did it? Yeah, right? yeah we did yeah. hand-to-hand. And the reason why I believe I don't do a hardstyle swing hand-to-hand -hand is when I'm swinging a 48, I don't switch hands. Do ah, you see that differently? You, you don't always swing a 48 with hard style. Yeah, you or... For, um, for endurance. Yes, even the hard style swing, you're using it for endurance? Uh, I mean, endurance and hard style is not uh, ultra endurance like it would be in Garevoy, mm. but you can swing for a minute, which is quite uh, an endurance level swing right. um, in, in hard style with that weight, right? Because you it's, see... quite, it's, it's 30 repetitions. So if you think about repetitions, yeah. Uh, 30 is endurance reference. Yes, yes. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, yeah. The, the reason why I'm saying this is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. Gary Way would be considered ultra endurance as far right. as weights are concerned. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because that's more than 30 reps, right? And mm. it's a weight. You're lifting a weight from more than mm. 30 reps. And, go for it. Uh, and I'll, I'll go into these 30 reps. That's why I believe. I am using a hybrid version, but let, let me clear this one up. The reason why I'm saying I'm never switching hands is because Luca, the way I learned it from Luca, who's a, who, uh, uh, who is a strong proponent of heart style, who really lives and breathes this technique, says he goes for 10 reps max with a heart style swing, always favoring heavy weights. So for me, that's 32 is now becoming even easier so that I can use it in, in a single hand swing. So my weights would be 40 and 48. And Angie is now 28, 32. So the reason why I'm not switching hands is because the weight is so heavy. That's too dangerous. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's the way I learned it from Luca. Now, in the kettlebell sport swing, we have feature number one is the kettlebell sport, of course. Feature number two, we have the hinge with double bent knees. This is the pendulum leg action, right? This is a completely different way how you move uh, uh, your legs in a swing. I believe a kettlebell sports swing, you can use all weights. I mean, I can, I can do a kettlebell sports swing with, with a 32 and feel all right. And mostly what I have seen is you do kettlebell sports swing either single hand or hand to hand. What is your take on this? Yeah, well, kettlebell sport. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't use two hands. Yeah, I saw that sport. as well. Be, be, because I saw a video of somebody doing the kettlebell sports swing with two hands, and I was like, I've never seen this in real life. Interesting. So yeah, well, the they, they don't even teach that. I mean, the kettlebell ah. sport, kettlebell, like competition kettlebell, is not even designed to be held with two hands. Yeah, yeah, and we it's see that when we do the hard style swing, we have to, you have to manage it a little bit. My fingers are, yeah. are more a little bit outside. Yeah, it works, but mm -hmm. it, you have to adjust a little bit. So now in the hybrid, and that's where I, when you talked about the 30 reps, the hybrid, I believe that's the mixture. You, you use a hybrid version. So what you do is you hinge only. You don't snap. You don't bend your knees. You're just hinging. And I see a lot of guys and, and gals, coaches, and, and even athletes do swings like this. They are hinging. They're not bending. They're unlocking their knees, of course. But they're not bending the knees. So they are just hinging. And when they are on top, they don't use a lot of snapping power. It's just on top. The bells afloat. And then they come back. So this is where I believe you use light to moderate weights. And this is where I believe you can use the final feature, single hand, double hand, and hand to hand. Because I see this so many times. If you, if you use light to moderate weights, you can use your hinge only. But if you use heavier weights, 
you will start bending your knees. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, it's interesting that people started critiquing Luca, and he, he mentioned this on a recent Instagram post. People were critiquing him, saying, hey, Luca, you are not hinging, you are bending your knees as well. And then he said, well, that's normal if you have a 48 kilogram kettlebell. So you see, I saw these, th these differences that even hardstyle guys don't have the same opinion on some stuff. That's why I believe it is more a mixture between uh, strength and endurance. That's why I believe it is a hybrid version where you are just hinging, not using snapping power and using light to moderate weights. And then, because that's what we do with in, in two minutes. When I swing, when, when Angie and I do a hybrid hand-to-hand -hand swing, I swing the 24 kilo with the hinge only for two minutes. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I step it up to the 28, I start bending my knees. Mm. So that's what I wanted to so, show um, you. What is your... No, this is great. It's an interesting idea. What is your um, goal when you're doing it for two minutes? With the, with the 24 and the 20? Uh, yeah, so, you, so uh, just... when, you're doing, uh, when you're doing the hybrid swing yeah, for two yeah. minutes. Then I'm in between, in between. I, I, I want to get, I want to get some, the pendulum moves set, let's say like it's strength and endurance, and I'm kind of like in between a little bit. That's my goal. As soon as I pick up the 48, my goal moves straight up to strength only. And this is where I'm just using 10 reps only because, and that's, Luca was right. As we started hard style swing with, I, I tried it, 40 kilo, 12 reps, and after my 11th, 12th rep, my 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 form was tanking so i was like mm, i'm gonna use the imam method five sets of ten five minutes and that's it with heart style so this is where i make the difference and what i also love is if if i can keep swinging with the bell it gives me this great this great vibe i i love one of the one of my uh favorite combinations is swing clean and jerk snatch two minute swing Two minute clean and jerk, one minute left, one minute right, and then snatch, one minute left, one minute right. So that way the bells afloat for six minutes. You keep working with it. You have it on top, you have it in your rack, you have it down. I love it. It's one of the greatest combos. I really love it. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, I don't see why not. It, it will just have to be field tested. So right now off the bat, I don't know because it has to be field tested on the person. So uh, depending on how your clients and your, your students react mm -hmm. to switching between the styles and if it works for them and if it doesn't injure them and if it achieves their goals, then I don't see why yeah. not. I mean, kettlebell training, I was just talking about, uh, about this with someone else recently. Kettlebell training is uh, a relatively young discipline. I mean, in Russia, it was, it's old, mm -hmm. but in the West, it's only 30 years. The, the other day, me and my family were celebrating the fall of communism, the 21st of August, 30 years ago, wow. the communism fell in Russia. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. were, they were all drinking and they're texting me going, happy birthday. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and so that's when kettlebells came out, right? So it's only 30 years or even yeah. less that yeah. kettlebells have been in the West and it's, they've made huge strides in terms of figuring out how to train yeah. with them, figuring out what's the right wow. way and what doesn't necessarily work, but it's still really young. And we're still, I mean, we are what the third or the second generation of people who are now building on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah. the previous yeah. guys 
yeah. who were, you know, Cotter and Pavel and and um, uh, and Dan John, you know, they are the originals. They they started with it, and we're we're building on that. We take yeah. their knowledge for granted. So. They gained that knowledge through blood, sweat, and tears, and yeah. uh, training yeah. people with it. But yeah. now we are building on that. Um, awesome. And so I don't see why it couldn't be improved. Um, so I think it's just all about rigorous testing. You know, you yeah. just you just want to see whether it works with people. I think the most important thing is applicability. That is yeah. practically applicable. Yeah. yeah. With the person. And you know the yeah. beautiful thing. The beautiful thing is you're you're talking about field testing. You know that that's the way I was taught from Steve when he was here. So that's that's why I when I had a conversation with him, I say, Steve, I believe you're the original hybrid man. Because you, you incorporated Turkish get up, strict press, squat, goblet squat, bend press, the typical hard style stuff, hard style swing, everything. But then you went to Russia and and found out the let's say like the original way how the kettlebell was designed. So you are the original hybrid. So when I learned from him, I learned the heart, the hand to hand swing exactly like this. So me now figuring out it's just putting it on paper in terms what what it's like and we get great feedback from from swinging so for example um i believe i i even started incorporating my own simple and sinister idea because one one problem that i see with with heart style or, or heart style swing is you need heavier weights to get a proper feedback for the strongest muscles that you have your glutes and your hands so Let's imagine you're beginning with kettlebells. You heard about the heart style swing. So you are, let's say like a female starting out, never lifted weight, weights before. So you were told, yeah, if, 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 or you went to a class, you learned the kettlebell heart style swing with a 16 kilo. And now you feel strong and safe. So you buy a 16 kilo. The only thing that you can do with it, as far as I'm concerned, if you're just starting out is a kettlebell heart style swing it's probably too heavy to bring it up front probably i don't know how many goblet squats you're able to do maybe deadlift with it but then you're done so i believe the hybrid idea comes in where you say yes you have a fixed weight a 12 kilo only or a 16 kilo only depending on males or females and you can work fine with it we just had one of our clients um she finished our program and now she's a mother of three so I said, listen, you do the simple and sinister, keep going with it, swing and Turkish. So we started implementing a very easy system. It's like you do the hybrid swing because he has a 12 kilo and a 16 kilo. I said, you do the hybrid swing for two minutes with the 12 kilogram, you keep pumping two to three minutes, and then you do three Turkish get up left, three Turkish get up right with the same weight. You don't need another kettlebell, you're safe. Now she got a 16, she got really strong. Now she's doing everything with the 16. So that's mm -hmm. probably out of necessity. It maybe came up a little because people have to buy different kettlebells. And you know, if financial budget is a question, then maybe you only have to work with one. So if I use one kettlebell that's heavy enough for my legs, I won't do anything overhead because it's too heavy for my upper body. You just mentioned women are weaker in their upper body and most humans we all are because we have the strongest muscles in our in our in our legs so that's why i figured hey use a weight that can challenge your whole body 
not only just a hard style swing and you won't be able to press it. It's sad. You miss out on one very important basic. So probably that's where it's it comes from. It's a very interesting point. Very interesting point you bring it up. Um, I think I've recently written a blog on that. Uh, it, it's a... It, so in, in hard style, you don't get one kettlebell. You, when you first start, you rec you recommend it to get three kettlebells. Um, ah, I didn't know. Oh, yeah, three. so you, a woman would get an 8, 12, and 16, uh -huh. and then a man would get a 16, 24, and 32. If it's a strong man, if it's a beginner man, he would get like a 12, 16, and 20. So my guys, I normally get them to, get, to, to buy 12, 16, and 20, and then they can get whatever they want if they want. Mm. Um, and then because of that, you end up using doubles. For example, case in point, my mom. So she started training with kettlebells in her 60s uh, online with me. So awesome. during lockdown last year, awesome. because That's her great. gym got, she, she was training at a CrossFit gym with, with my brother who owns a CrossFit gym. Mm -hmm. um, and the gym closed because lockdown. They live in Israel. Uh, and I'm like, mom, why don't you start training with a kettlebell? She only had a 12 kilo kettlebell at home because I, I got it for her. Uh, like, we're going to start training with kettlebell. Mm. So she only had a 12. And so we had to work with a 12 mm. until the, the shops opened again around Christmas. And then she got another, she got an eight and a 16 because that that's true. So with that 12, all we could do is just, as you said, work with the 12. So we couldn't really press it much. Fixed she work, learned yeah. to do a Turkish yeah. up with the 12. Can you mm, yeah, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. To do a Turkish up with the 12 kilo. Um, and now she's doing 16. Now she's Turkish get up in 16. Wow, several that's times. powerful. That's powerful. Yeah, powerful. she's a tiny lady. In her, she's 62, I think. I don't, I don't remember. Oh my God, I, sh I, sh oh, I should. Yeah. We, we better edit this out, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. So, that's powerful. Um, and and when we but when we uh, bought her another two kettlebells, so eight and sixteen, and she started using them. So she started using the eights for presses See, and yeah. sixteen for two hand swings. Mm. And then she started using doubles. So she started using an eight and a twelve for double cleans and double mm. squats. Mm. She mm. just blossomed. Like she loved it. She's like, wow. oh my god, I had no idea that you can do this. I mean, of course, wow. she enjoyed the single kettlebell workout. She loved it, and it got her stronger. But when I moved her to other kettlebells, like to a heavier kettlebell and to doubles even mm. um, for the for the squats, she's now doing jerks as well. I mean, she's a awesome, my awesome, uh, powerful. It's um, it it was it was a different. I mean, I guess it depends on the person, but it was. She loved it. Like she wow. loved going heavier, uh, and so I think you're absolutely right. Hybrid style, Gary voice style, it's excellent. And I've seen another one of my colleagues in Russia, Svetlana. She's a coach, uh, mm -hmm. coach mm -hmm. in, in St. Petersburg. I think mm. she's like a world record holder for a mm -hmm. double kettlebell event. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I follow her on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I think I know. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yes. So she she uh, practices with one single kettlebell a lot of the time. Uh, and it's quite amazing because it's very minimalistic. It's like the ultimate minimalistic <laughs> workout, right? You use mm. the same kettlebell. Mm. Mm. Um, I find that it is too little if it's one kettlebell, but if that's all you have, then I think hybrid is a brilliant idea yeah. because yeah. yeah, you will have to use it for everything. Yeah. And that's where the idea 
originally came from because now saying okay you got to buy three kettlebells well of course for something for your low for for the legs something for upper body i do get it but the idea where i'm now really digging into is you can have massive success with one weight only we had one of our clients she had uh she went through our program for three months she lost what was it because that's what we focus on usually with the clients in our gym we uh, focus on weight loss with nutrition coaching, and she lost 16, yeah, 16 kilos, 15.7, I think it was, in three months, which is powerful, and she's 52 years. We only worked with the 12s. And what I love to do in the coaching is, when we use kettlebells only, we work with single weights, but then we have one session every other week or i think yeah it's one, one three sessions per week and two of them is kettlebells only and then we have one with heavy stuff heavy prowler sled heavy farmer's walk heavy deadlift that's why i just engage in in that system and that works well but i know that many people do not have access to to to, to those types of weights at home. So my idea is once they're done, I wanna give them a, 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 a program, a, a, an idea of training that they can do at home and be safe with it and never have to mess around thinking about buying another weight or using, because I, I mean, I totally understand that the three weights principle or protocol, but yesterday I had an, an analogy in, in, the, in the seminar and I said, listen, most people do not work out. They, they don't prioritize working out. That's our market. That's, that's the folks that we want to market the kettlebells to. We want to help them get in shape, eat less, move more. So I imagine somebody comes home from work, has a hard day of work, then has some family issues going on, and then you got to take care of these family issues. So then it's 7 p.m. at night or 7.30 or 8 p.m. at night, long day of work, family issues, and now you got to work your program. I would say there's a higher chance if you have one set of weight and two exercises that you can do that complement each other for a given set of time where you don't have to think. There's a higher chance that you will opt in for the ultra basic minimalistic idea than for the sophisticated one. Mm -hmm. And I believe most people live these kinds of lives always stressed out so they need something that's easy and applicable so that they can even do it and 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 that one uh, uh, mother she said you know you know how I do it I do two rounds swing Turkish get-ups but then I have to stop because of my baby or because of the kids then I take care of the kids and then I come back at it and I think well that's powerful that's awesome she doesn't have to think she mastered the Turkish get-up and she's very powerful she mastered it she aced it and her swing is solid so i said you're done you have all all you need and if you want to go deeper and and take it to the next level we can with different stuff but if you do swing in turkish for the rest of the year you're safe so that's the so idea where i'm coming from that? so um first how would you recommend the so basic based on your model yeah single kettlebell yeah where would you start a person? How would they choose a kettlebell? So for a man, for a woman, for a beginner, for an advanced, yeah. how, how do you choose the single kettlebell? Now I'm just probing your method yeah. so that you can repeat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, um, women, we're always starting with eight kilogram. 
And guys, we always start with 12 kilogram. Mm -hmm. That's where we start. And then we take it from there. And in our experience, most women will settle between 12 and 16. And most guys will settle between 16 and 20. And, and we're safe. And you, you mentioned... If you start a person on a kettlebell, sorry, sorry, interrupting you. Yeah, if yeah. you start a person on an eight kilo kettlebell, like a lady, and she's yeah. got that at home, once she's progressed past eight, and, and women progress past eight very quickly, yeah. wouldn't yeah. you have to get another kettlebell? Then she'd have to get a 12 kilo, yes. But you know, my experience with the people that we are working with is most people don't even touch their kettlebells at home. So before we ah, even start... So this is for people who come face to face. It, it is face to face, but we also like to, you know, share the, 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 the enthusiasm and the love for kettlebells, but most people rarely touch those spells at home. So that's why in advance, I know you're safe with the eight. And when, when, you, when you come into the studio and I see you ripping it and gripping it and you're safe and you're like a beast, I'm going to tell you, you got to pick up the 12. Now it's time for the 12. But, okay. and, and you, you, you mentioned something, you mentioned progression, right? In my experience, I worked as a gym instructor and now in a personal training business. And, and I had this conversation with one of the, um, his name's Sean. He's doing his doctorate in neurology, focused on Alzheimer's and, and, uh, and dementia. Oh, yes, you mentioned one. Yeah, time. yeah. And we talked. We had a great conversation. Um, and he said, uh, if I could put, uh, if we could put all the benefits of exercise and, and nutrition into a into a bottle or a pill and sell it, we would be billionaires. I said, yes. So he said, so in a recent seminar, I asked, on, I asked the guys and the gals that were on the, on, the, on the show presenting, well, how do we get them to move? If it's such a powerful medicine, if exercise is the best medicine there is and, and nutrition, the combo, how do we get them to move and why are people not engaging with it? And so they had no answer. And so I said, you know, maybe I can provide you some sort of answer. The reason why they didn't have an answer because it, it's, well, it's true. It's hard to make people love it and get with it. It's a hard thing. So there's no one size fits all. But one uh, aspect that I follow is I want to spark, and I got this from Charles Schwab. He was the right hand from uh, Carnegie. Carnegie was a steel magnet in the 20th century. So Charles Schwab was his right hand, and he got paid a lot of money. So they asked Charles Schwab, why are you making so much money? And he said, well, it's because I can spark an enthusiasm for the work that people do in the hearts of, of people. So if I spark an enthusiasm, then, I, then the expert doesn't have to be in the room. Mm -hmm. So that's what I try to do. I told Sean, I said, that's what I'm trying to do. Spark an enthusiasm in the hearts of people. Mm -hmm. But it's a very hard thing to do. And experience shows that most people do not engage and don't or will almost never need progression unless it's supervised from a coach like you and me or they're in that small percentage block of folks who take it on themselves and start working out by themselves. But it's a small percentage block. So that's, that's the reason true. why I'm saying you don't need no progression. We don't talk about progression. Just get those basics in and you're done. And one, there's one common denominator that I see. When people are joining our group program, we have the idea our group coaching is, is fairly reasonable in pricing so that, you can, uh, the, so that they can use our group coaching once a week for, for the whole year. 
it's reasonable. It's still, it still costs more than your gym membership, but I believe we provide more value. So that's why I'm charging it more. And the other thing is it is, but it's still reasonable. So as one thing you probably notice as well, when folks come back or they are in your session and you see that their technique has taken leaps, that's what I'm asking. I'm like, did you do swings at home? And they're like, yes. I'm like, we can see it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in my case, I don't know how it is in your case, but we have experience with a lot of people coming in real life. It's very rare. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm realizing that, uh, and this is the beauty of uh, this world we live in, is that um, we encounter different types of clients, different types of students that we work with um, in different, in different uh, sort of formats. So, mm -hmm. for example, most of my students are people who train at home by themselves, uh, with their own kettlebells, not in the gym, and they train with me online. So they're mm -hmm. all over the world. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's both for my courses and, and for, for my one-on-one -on -one private coaching mm -hmm. program, right? But then I have uh, uh, classes here in New Zealand. New Zealand is a tiny country, so I have mm -hmm. a class in Auckland, just mm -hmm. for the dwellers of Auckland. They are a very different bunch. Yeah. They are different. So they yeah. do not train at home by themselves. Mm -hmm. They go to classes because they have a trainer right there and they prefer yeah. to train with other people and i find that people who attend classes it's a different bunch from people who train by themselves at most, home most definitely uh, and yeah and i almost have like i have they are different character types they're different yeah. motivation yeah. styles yeah uh, the people who do classes hardly ever train at home yeah. by themselves See? And then the people yeah. who train at home by themselves, some of them, I do have guys who, who come to my online classes as well, but a lot of them don't. They just train at home by themselves yeah. and they and then they do one-on-one -on -one with me. Mm. Um, so the, the people who train at home, they want that progression yeah. and they yeah. want that um, several kettlebells mm. because it is not as easy to stay motivated if you don't see progress and if you can't go you know to the next kettlebell and if you mm. can't mm. move yes more most definitely they, they need they need it yourself, yeah right? yeah they need it yeah yeah uh, so if you're training at home by yourself you need that that ladder yeah um i know it and i know it for myself because i'm like that as well so i mm. i'm a person who trains at home by herself i've trained with people and i prefer to train by myself mm. at home mm. um but people in class much more versatile because you can you bounce off each other it's more like a social thing so you can mm. you can do a few more funky things there you can use the same weight yeah i i find it it's it's different types of people and so when you're designing a uh, a program like this so you you're using that, that's what i was asking you so you're using one kettlebell and you give it to people to to take home mm. but for main for the main event they're coming to you to your gym uh then it's not the same as if that person gets all of the training from home. Yeah, that's uh, completely that different. Case, they need a heavy they, kettlebell. Yes, and yeah. they need and they need a, a a a selection in that case. But you know, with they the growth do. of our yeah. yeah, and with the growth of growth of our channel, we we've just encountered people who are who financially where financially it's impossible to get multiple weights. Uh, yes. 
So, so I see there is a, 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 a market or there's a demand for an idea or a philosophy that lets you move or lets you progress in a sense without you having to spend a lot of money on different weights. So that's one thing. And you see, that's, that's what you're seeing is people and statistics show. No-show rates at gyms are like 80% don't show up after three months. So the big part of people do are not into working out. But folks who are, I mean, you've created your market. You are marketing your stuff to folks who are already working out at home. So they need a, a system to for progression. I 100% agree. Yet in most cases, my idea is to spark the enthusiasm that people work out at home. And in, in some cases it does spark, and then we supply them with other weights as well. But in most cases it, it doesn't. So then people come back to the group coaching or group training, and that's why we have the, all of the collection of the bells and they're safe. And my, I think my understanding as well is as long as we get people to move, we're good. Most people, from my experience, don't need a... a a progression system they just need to work out once or twice at home or they just need to work out and be done with it and once they catch the fire then of course amen the eight's too light of course let's let's grab the 12 all right so well you know what amen amen to that particular point because that habit so that formation of habit everything is built on that habit nothing yeah. can be built until the fitness habit is there yeah so yeah. whatever way you can create a fitness habit is you do any everything you can in your power use one kettlebell use no kettlebell at all yeah like whatever you can do to build a fitness habit and then you can build anything you want on it yeah um and i recently had a conversation with one, with one of my clients who for years have been trying to uh, sort of get into fitness get into weight loss fitness yeah. muscle yeah. building yeah. whatever always failed always quit uh, because she would go with the goal of like, ah, oh, losing 10 kilos or mm -hmm. um, getting a booty or whatever. But the thing is that what you actually need to start with is getting into the habit of exercising, doing whatever it is you want to do, just getting into the habit yeah. of exercising. And then on top on that, then you say, okay, I want to lose 10 kilos now because by then you already have the habits. Mm. So you can plug your program mm. into that habit. Yeah. It's very difficult to do it the other way because everything you achieve requires consistency and that consistency can only be achieved through habitual training 100 percent. i mean that's what we do with nutrition coaching as well we build strong habits eat eat your veggies eat your fruits yet there's a dichotomy happening because we as marketers and coaches have to market weight loss have to market a certain number we have to market a certain idea because people come up with it. I mean, you're so right and I do 100% agree, but one internet marketer once told me, he said, you know, the problem is whether you're right or wrong, you have to go with the flow and see what options are out there and what people want. And that's what you need. So you need them get into your business. So that's, yes. that's the dichotomy. So we have to work with, hey, this person lost 20 kilos and then they hit the gym. It's like, hey, it's not about the 20 kilos in the first place, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I'm, I'm, but that's what good coaching really is. And man, I can, Actually, I think that is, that is so, so profound because I remember making a conscious choice, like a conscious decision after working in the fitness industry for 10 years or more, I was going, okay, so what do I, what do I do now? And then I thought, 
I will either open a kettlebell academy or I will leave the fitness industry because mm. I really have done everything I, I, I could do in there. Mm. Um, mm. And then I decided that I do not want to convince people to use kettlebells anymore. I want oh. people who already want to use kettlebells to mm. come to me because I'm different market. And mm. so that different market uh, and people who haven't yet discovered kettlebells or don't know what they want to do. There are so many other coaches who would help them and mm -hmm. who would guide them and who would enthuse them uh, and who would, you know, maybe move them towards kettlebells and then they can find me. And that's why I believe that this beauty of uh, this market where we can have so many different coaches mm -hmm. serving people mm -hmm. at every stage mm -hmm. of the way mm -hmm. of their journey, even sometimes mm -hmm. at the same time, right? Yeah. One coach can Most work like I, I'm a certified nutrition, but I don't do nutrition. Like I have a wow. very, I have an amazing nutritionist that I work with. She's got 40 years of experience. She's 67. She's insane. She's like one of the most famous nutritionists in New Zealand wow. and she's beautiful. And I'm like, I just channel right. everyone Bam. to there. Bam. Yeah. Because yeah. I just want to do kettlebells. You know, I'm like a geek. I just want to do kettlebells and keep getting better wow. at kettlebell training. Um, but again, it's important to know what you want, right? Yeah. And that's why I love it that you take the people who I wouldn't, I, they, I, they don't even know where I am because I am yeah. only all about kettlebells. Mm. And then you take them and then you bring them into fitness yeah. Yeah. and you bring yeah. them into kettlebells exactly. and you have the patience and the passion and the creativity and ingenuity mm. to bring them in. And it's just fabulous. It's, it's just so good to see. It, uh, it, because yeah. without you, awesome. people wouldn't know kettlebells, right? Yes, and that's see. Uh, I I recently had this on uh, a mission statement where I uh, started re rewriting some of our stuff for our English website, and I was I said, my mission is to carry the torch of kettlebells and 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 bring it bring it to the world locally, locally and internationally. That that's what I do, but I use all these different market marketing systems to get people even in because high being highly specialized what you do is awesome and i'm specializing in in, in another area but at yeah. the end of the day we both do the same we, we, we bring them we bring them our passion and what you actually do with your nutritionist i got that that was one of the uh, coaching principles that i got from this internet marketer he said it's not the it's not the how it's the who mm -hmm. so you don't have to know everything how to do stuff. You don't have to know everything. You have to know who to refer out to. Yes. It's, po yes. it's powerful. And one, an, another dichotomy that I discovered, and that's beautiful when, when you follow different sources, is yes, we have, I mean, I, probably you and me, we both moved away because I come from this typical background with, you know, screaming and yelling and going all in and bam and passion and boom, <laughs> right? So. I think we both moved away a little bit from that side and now it's more like hey it's it's about the practice it's about the love of training it's about not burning people out not killing people because that's actually you you mentioned this you said mental diet you know getting people on a mental diet where they look like this on day zero but then the day after they go crazy because it's not able they're not able to sustain this look right mm -hmm. so I've moved from this part away as well, but yet there's one thing that keeps lingering, in my, uh, lingering in my mind because Nick Mitchell, he is, uh, he owns Ultimate Performance. He's one of the biggest personal trainers in the world. I think he owns 10 or 15 gyms on all continents. And there's one thing that he said that will forever be stuck with me. He said, "You know what people want when they hit your gym? 
or when they get your coaching, they want an experience. Mm -hmm. So if we only are focusing on technique and education and stuff, we might lose them. They need the experience of the sweat, the movement, the, the push, the, the, the motivate. They need it because that's what gets that's them hooked. Depends. That depends. So, okay, okay, that's interesting. Interesting point. Okay, that's true. But the mm. type of experience people need is depend. It depends on the person. And so mm. for him, so he's the owner of 15 or however many gyms, right? And so he obviously he serves a certain demographic of yeah. people mm -hmm. just like any other gym so we have a, a gym here in in new zealand called les mills and it's a gym yeah, that yeah. uh group fitness classes right and mm. so it serves a certain demographic of people and a lot of people go there but also a lot of people don't right so tons of people go to les mills but a, a whole ton of people don't go to les mm -hmm. mills so a ton of people will go to to a, a gym like your that, that guy that you were talking talking with right performance extreme performance or whatever ultimate performance called. yeah ultimate performance and then other people will come to your gym and then other people will come to my studio yeah. so the, the the thing is to provide the services for every potential like every person so there is a trainer for every person right there yeah. there is a style oh, right. for yeah. every person and, and I think that just because one gym is popular, like Les Mills, with group classes, mm -hmm. it's popular, doesn't mean that everyone should imitate Les Mills, because then what will happen to the people who hate that kind of training? Mm -hmm. And I have You're a right. ton of people who have yeah. that kind of training. Um, that's why I think that, for example. <laughs> that's why Planet <laughs> Fitness is so, that's why Planet Fitness is so uh, commercially successful, because Planet mm -hmm. Fitness offers normal normal training for normal people they have a lunk alarm have you heard about this where it starts if you start making noise the whole gym goes nuts <laughs> yeah it's an alarm as soon as you start screaming or or exhausting too much then it starts planet fitness wow oh, you don't know you got to check this out planet no. fitness <laughs> there are memes there are memes around that culture they serve no joke they serve bagels and pizza every monday night in the gym Wow. See, there you go. And there so go. again, it's like um, yeah, a, a CrossFit right. culture. You know, there are some people that would do it. I, a, a lot of my clients are, for example, introverted people who are uh, who prefer a very quiet atmosphere. They oh, like right. working diligently on their technique, quietly by themselves. They achieve amazing results. Some of the best movers, seriously, because the person wow. is just, they just want to be left alone in their own space Focused. and then be told, um, how to like right. be corrected with technique and then they just do their own thing and they, these people achieve amazing results but if you put them in a gym environment they will just wilt away they yeah. will hate it yeah, yeah and, and yeah, they will yeah. not stick with it either mm. like they will just not exercise mm. um, so I, that, that's why i believe that it's beautiful that we have so many different variations right. of training styles. you're right and i think what he was referring to is just the personal experience that people get uh when you go into training mode you get all these sorts of benefits all these neurotransmitters and all these hormones that are kicking in that will improve your dopamine or that will increase your dopamine and that will get you hooked on training to a certain degree but if you overdo it of course and that's why i believe where where i'm now sitting in and and you mentioned communal learning that's why i'm uh, mm -hmm. really really uh, um taking in all that information and, and then putting my own spin on it and and it's just beautiful
Chat, I think, wow, it's, it's two <laughs> hours a, now. As always, amazing chat. Wow. Feel free to edit things out. Um, definitely edit things out if you need to. I think we'll leave it in. It's, it's all, I think it's one, one edit at the end and, and, and uh, in the middle where I had to, you know, stop and everything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but other than that, I think we'll, we'll, we'll have it, we'll leave it in. I have one final question for you, uh, Kat. We are, I'm setting up a round table where I want to have all kettlebell experts via Zoom, a, a, a roundtable podcast. So Steve Cotter joined, he said he's in. Chandler Marchman joined, he's in. Now, are, would, would you be interested in joining as well? Are you kidding? If, if I can get to be on the same roundtable as Steve Cotter, <laughs> I'm going to wake up <laughs> in the middle of the night. Okay, <laughs> okay. You know, I and I've asked Dan John as well, but Dan John, he oh initially, God. yeah, he initially declined, but I, I, I'm working on him. But so it's you, it's Steve, it's Chandler, it's me. So it's four already. So I'm gonna put a check mark. We can start with a small one and then grow it. Yeah, most definitely. I'm just, you know, all the people that I, all the folks that I've connected with, I just want to ask them if they're in, and then we'll set up a doodle. So that's with three or four dates, and then where everybody uh, connects with one date, that's the one that we will go for. Right. So you're in. Cool. That cool. would be fabulous. That's awesome. So Kat, thank you very much. It was really, really awesome talking to you. Oh, it's my pleasure. You're, 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 you're just soaring on your strength right now. Keep going. Mm. It's, uh, it's amazing, Gregory. You thank are you using your strength to improve the world, and mm. I, do, I love it. I oh, love it. You're truly unique. Yeah, <laughs> truly appreciate it, Kat. Awesome. Thank you for watching. If you enjoyed the video, like it. Consider subscribing if you want to see more kettlebell content. And if you're looking for a kettlebell program that builds you up from a beginner to a slowly advanced trainee in the course of about three months, and you maybe want to combine it with some easy-to-follow nutrition coaching because maybe you want to lose weight or you want to get in shape, then check out 90 Days of Kettlebells. You'll find the link in the description. 14-day free trial included.